You're listening to the AID Network. Greetings, fellow citizens of Disneyland. Welcome to another episode of Disneyland for Designers. On the show today, we have Philander Butler with us. But before we get into today's episode, I would just simply like to ask, could you do me a solid? Could you do me a favor? Could you just post about the show? Could you just tell a friend all the fun that we're having over here with Disneyland for Designers? Sometimes doing this job can be frustrating because I put hours and hours and hours into creating all the content. And sometimes you run out of the extra minutes to go post about it over on social media. But then there's the other problem that social media a lot of time throttles out anything that says podcast or YouTube or video. See, they know that somebody's trying to use their platform to, well, promote something. But what they reward is when somebody just genuinely says, I'm having fun. This is making me happy. I'm enjoying listening to this. So friend, I could use your help. I could use a little bit more wind in my cell. So if you don't mind, if you enjoy listening to today's episode for free that took me eight hours to put together, could you maybe spend eight minutes just telling a bud, telling a friend they're having a lot of fun being a member of Club 1313 over at Disneyland for Designers? That's all I ask. Hopefully it's not too much. What do you say we get started with today's episode right after this? Hey, Disney fans, do you have a Disney fan brand? Do you like to show your your fandom by making a limited edition merchandise for you and all of your friends? Or do you like to design a shirt for the family to wear to go out to the park? Did you know that you can do all this and save money and get free shipping by listening to this show? Head over to our sponsor, jackprince.com, where you can get site-wide discounts by going to jackprince.com slash C-O-T. That stands for Circle of Trust. And Jack Prince has been a supporter of Adventures in Design, the AID Network, and the Circle of Trust since the very beginning. And they passed that sponsorship over to you by giving you a discount site-wide. So whatever you're making for your fan brand, head over to jackprince.com slash C-O-T, save some money, get some free shipping, and who knows, maybe you'll discover a product to let you share your fandom with all your friends and fans. This is the story of a beautiful place known as the happiest place on earth and all of its history, its secrets, and its tricks that you may find if your mind believes in design and you allow your heart to believe in magic. Step inside and become a citizen of Disneyland. Greetings, fellow citizens of Disneyland. We all have been on the western side of Disneyland, which ironically started out as the Wild West of Disneyland. And over the years, this area has matured into what is a beautiful part of the park. But there's a legend that sits in the western side, and it's the legend of Big Thunder Mountain. And I would like to say to you, an important part to remember with Big Thunder Mountain. The very last attraction, the very last e-ticket, concepted around original storyline. So for all of you that complain the attractions always have to be a part of a movie or a cartoon or something that exists elsewhere in cinema, enjoy Big Thunder Mountain because it's the very last of the original chapter. Of Disneyland. Today, Philander Butler and myself celebrate Tony Baxter and Big Thunder Mountain. 
its history, its details, and its legacy as the last chapter in the original story of Disneyland. What do you say? Let's close our eyes, let's go into our imaginations and re-enter the western side of the park for another epic Disneyland for Designers lap around Disneyland. Philander, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. It's good to good to be back. Good to be back atop of Matterhorn Mountain <laughs> in our Disneyland for Designers recording studio presented by Honda. <laughs> Bird's going to be coming by later on to give us the weather on the sevens. Uh, today we have a very special episode. But before we get into today's episode, I just want to um, not let something pass and not acknowledge it. Uh, Philander, this was the first time in many summers mm-hmm. that neither you nor I heard with that little that chirp i can't get it right you know what i'm talking about yes. pew, pew. we didn't hear the bio we didn't go through the tunnel on the right tunnel on the left is for exiting only yes of course we just we didn't get in this summer mm-hmm. i mean some would say in our minds we never left that is true <laughs> that is true both with you with your polls and instagram stories and imagineer and monday mm-hmm. uh, you very well kept the torch alive so on behalf of all of your your fans and followers and friends <laughs> i thank you uh, of but course it's been an interesting summer magic. for those of, of us that are the hardcore the believers in the magic uh we had to put in double time double time double time to not only believe ourselves but to share the magic with everyone else yeah just keeping it alive you know it's it's you don't want to get so far away from it, especially when it means so much. I put yeah. so much into my job that when it left, it was such an odd feeling for me because I didn't step away from it on my own. It was removed from me. Right. Like I didn't, right. you don't get to make that piece where I'm, you know, I, I like saying I can't afford to go design anymore. So I'm going to separate myself from it because I need to save money. Like when it's taken away, it's such an odd feeling because you almost didn't get to say, I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to remember my last day there because it was a working day, but I think everyone's had that feeling where they're like, oh, if I knew that was going to be it, like, what would I have done? Yeah. And I think a lot of us, we, you know, I think it was you joking, like, oh, we were, remember how foolish we were? And we was like, oh, it's just going to be closed for like three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in the beginning, Disney was like, sick. Mm-hmm. We're going to get ahead on our construction projects. Yep. And I, I, I laugh back now. There's so many things that none of us knew. But I love mm-hmm. that Disney, Disneyland, I should say, knew that. Probably in three business days, they're going to have to announce that they were closing. Yep. So they just lobbed out that massive Avengers Campus dump, mm-hmm. just thinking, <laughs> we'll get the word out there. We'll be gone for three weeks. We'll go triple time and get that done. Yep. And when we come back, ta-da. Ready to rock. Spider-Man's flying through the air. But you bring up a good point because it's not like you said, take this vest and shove it. Mm-hmm. You you had to leave. Like, yeah. you had to exit. Had to you, leave. you weren't allowed to come back. Like, you had... Tours on the books that were canceled, right? Yep. There were tours on the books. I knew my schedule. Um, we were getting ready to ramp up or start training for Avengers Campus, like going over, you know, storyline, you know, the access points, things like about the land that we need to know, like so we can very expertly walk people through it. And then it just, it like shut. We had just started up, a, you know, new experiences for VIP tours. It's crazy that it's just like, it was like literally the snap of a finger. And now, it's kind of like holding on to that a little bit in a way. 
because I think I've always been as as my most of my adult life working with Disney, I've always kind of been that person. And when people talk to me, I'm almost expecting Disney to come up, and I don't mind it at all. I think a lot of people get bothered or worried about, you know. Oh, I don't want to talk to you about that, but it's such a thing. I've never had that word with you. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's been a thing where I don't mind it at all. Like I know people are fascinated by it. I know people love to talk about it. And I regularly are going to say, "Yeah, let's let's talk about it because it's something that's fun." I it was always more than a job to me. Yeah. Um, I know people that it is just a job to them, which is is fine. You know, we all kind of treat those things are in our own way. But I'm a I'm a as big a fan of it as I uh, as I love working on it. It's kind of like that same thing. So. Having it just kind of disappear, it's been interesting to see not only how I've been kind of holding on to it in a way, but also trying to keep people entertained at the same time. Um, same thing with you. You've been keeping me very entertained. You know, you were, you were in a map uh, a couple days ago. I've had a, I, for a year, a summer with no Disneyland, I had a very busy summer. I got stuck on Sleeping Beauty's <laughs> Castle. Did. I got sucked into a map. I've made deals with trolls. <laughs> I, I have. I had a pretty crazy Disney summer. <laughs> Sans Disney, I became the captain of Disneyland. Basically, you did. Hey, it's not going to open on the 65th anniversary. <laughs> I'll do it. DCA Day. I'll do it. Coming soon. Oogie Brickies Halloween Christmas. You're going to do Halloween it. Halloween Christmas. Oogie Boogies. Oogie Brickies. <laughs> not so scary Halloween. See, I'm, I'm mashing them up. I'm going the Mickey and the Oogie Oogie to put it all together. Create your own party. It's well, fine. It's it's been a very odd summer, uh, but I do know that for people that have got their fix through social media content or through the podcast, mm-hmm. I don't kid myself for a second to think that it wasn't appreciated. Yes, because I'm sure, like you, uh, like me, and you, you have the the DMs to prove, like, dude. These things are these posts. These mm-hmm. these are these are keeping it alive for yeah. me, and that feels fantastic. When somehow or another, this thing that you love, you're able to become a brand ambassador for it unofficially. Mm-hmm. Neither one of us are getting paid for any of the content that we're doing. No, nope. at least as far as I'm aware of. No, nope. <laughs> but you know, when you love something and you have uh, a unique way to tell that story, and you tell that story with people, at the end of the day, like literally, what you and I both spent our summer doing. Is storytelling. Yes. And the thing that people can, can get fused on is they can think that Disneyland is about sleight of hand and it's about a magic trick. Mm-hmm. The magic trick only really works because of the storytelling that embraces everything at the park. That's right. That setup. And it's been amazing to see. I mean, I started the doing those Mondays. I just celebrated a year of doing it back in uh, August of last year. Yeah. And not only was I shocked that that year had come up, um, the whole purpose of it was me just wanted to communicate with people more and share these stories because I was only doing it really with close friends or people that I saw at work, but I yeah. knew there was this other large amount of larger community that would be interested in something like that. So I took it upon myself to say, Oh, this is fun to just chat with people and make friends and talk about a shared love. And then now it became this thing where, uh, it, people are holding on to it. People have said, I, you know, this is how I start my Mondays, yeah, you know, for sure. And that's been not only really gratifying, but it's been helping me too. Like it's, it's fun to kind of go back in history. No one's going to know all this stuff all at once, but not only do I love the good refresh, I know you and I share a passion of just opening up a tab on the internet and just start reading, you know, I had a busy week mm-hmm. and I thought an easy video to make will be the history of the shooting gallery. <laughs> My lord, I go down the the the, the deep tunnel that Rabbit is the history hole, uh-huh. of, of Disneyland, and I'm like, wow, shooting gallery on Main Street. Yep. Wow, 
Pirates Arcade in New Orleans Square. <laughs> wow. Davy Crockett Arcade or Museum, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and, and, you know, then over in Adventureland, uh, big game shoot, mm-hmm. big safari shoot. Like Disneyland's names are almost like, we dare you yeah. to never be able to remember these names. Mm-hmm. Like they're so long and so complex. And then they just slide the words all around. Um, I don't know. It's It's been interesting. And I think one of the reasons why people enjoy your content so much before we get into today's topic, and it's a big one is you and your job, it represents one of these dream experiences that people want to have at Disneyland. Mm -hmm. And although only 1% of the guest population will get to experience it, I think you just sharing things from your perspective kind of gives everybody a window into this dream that they have. And I think that's very cool of you. I think it's, it's nice for you to share. And I would hope that as a corporation, they would realize that you're not only uh, an employee, but you're an ambassador, and more important than that, you're a fan, and mm-hmm. you communicating with other fans. Like, I, you really bring the love out in a way that is so pure, and I love Disney like you do. And when I got to talk to Robert Mills, mm. uh, who's the uh, VP of Live Entertainment on ABC, yes, I pleaded with him. I pleaded <laughs> with him. I said, Christmas morning. All I want to do is go to the park. I just want to go to the parks on the Christmas morning video. You don't ever have to show me a commercial on how to buy tickets. <laughs> show me the park. Show me how we all love the park. Yeah. And we will find our way to our browser. We'll find a way to accidentally get the credit card out of our pocket. Yep. And it was just literally like there is a way where I think you and I tell the story because it's not click by sell or, you know, travel destinations available. Yes. I think that it just really resonates because people can see that it is from a place of passion. Mm-hmm. That's why I'd like for everybody to know, uh, go to Disneyland.com slash adventures and design slash Disneyland for designers. And now you can get 1% <laughs> off uh, Oogie Bricky's Halloween. <laughs> All right. So you're ready to do this today. Let's do it. This is my, we're talking about my, my, one of my favorite things at Disneyland. Well, it's interesting too, because a lot of people don't know this. They always say, Bricky, the name Philander, where does that come from? I say, well, it's an old miner's name <laughs> because if you break it down, I'm filling the land. <laughs> so you come from an old Western mining family. That's right. Uh, some say you might come from the small town of Rainbow Ridge. Oh, what a dream that would be. Your family got a little bit too scared because of the ghosts. <laughs> so let's jump in. We're looking at the history today of Big Thunder Mountain, and I like to pretend like I'm surprising you, but you've probably looked at the cover or you looked at the, <laughs> the description. So there really is no sleight of hand in podcasting because you have to tell people what you're doing because nobody would just trust me otherwise. But let's start here with Big Thunder Mountain. It's an interesting spot, Frontierland. Mm-hmm. Because the version we have now is pretty short and squatty. Yes. But in 55, when the park opened, massive, (laughs) they just had a whole big western corner. Mm -hmm. And ironically, like, western corner, let's make it a western. (laughs) And if we think about in 55, entertainment was so focused around westerns you know it was sort of a a real romanticized version of the settling of america yes like we like to do keep some of the bad parts out uh. and it, it was it was a really a, a a unique part of american history that hollywood had latched onto. Uh, before the simpsons came along the longest running show ever was gunsmoke no not gunsmoke um what is the one it's not Mash, right? No, 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 it's, no. It I was, know Mash is long. It was the it was the one that Michael Landing was in when he was a kid. It was I should not have brought this reference up because halfway through <laughs> I realized I didn't know it. 
ah, I can't remember, but it was one of the old Westerns. Somebody right now is yelling at their iPhone. Mm-hmm. It's this, Bricky. Well, you podcast and think of it at the same time. <laughs> like, literally, they flushed out that whole area with a lot of different Western-themed uh, attractions. Some would last a year. Some would last, you know, five to ten. Mm-hmm. But it's sort of interesting that that whole area of the park was like a bookmark. Yes. You know, everything was just kind of bookmarked. Well, we'll just kind of, we'll hold this here until something else comes along. Mm -hmm. And, you know, seeing it now, it would be very hard to realize that that was ever like rural Disneyland. Yeah. And, you know, something that I've really leaned into, which I think is kind of interesting, a lot of people don't think about is if you look at Disneyland from, you know, west to east, it really is a timeline of America. Yep. And so having the most crude part of the park be the old time version i don't know if it's good storytelling or good luck but it's so <laughs> fascinating because imagine if tomorrowland had an abyss on the backside of that yeah they'd have been in a real pickle a big pickle i think it's, i like that you said that too because it's like I, I feel like so much of disneyland is like a perfect storm yeah where like these things happen that just worked out really well and we look back on it now with like this history eyes on it and you're like oh it just happens to be great that that turned out that way you know i think you've mentioned it before previously i'm trying to remember what it was but um i I think it was when you did your thing about casey jr when it was supposed to originally going to be the spots around the world and there's just a perfect storm of well that didn't work out and then ended up giving us storybook land canal boats where these perfect things just kind of happen on their own and then it creates the end thing that the end result that they ended up wanting if storybooks would have, the storybook canal would have started out being little Eiffel Tower, little mm-hmm. Big Ben. There's no doubt in my mind that eventually that would have got ripped out and become what it is. Yeah, because and, and it's also a perfect storm because if they would have done that, would they really have wanted to do Small World right behind it? Because yeah, that is Small World is that very you know two dollar uh, idea on a, on the two million dollar concept. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The execution with all the animatronics and then bringing in Mary Blair for that, you know, for the one job that Mark Davis couldn't do. (laughs) (laughs) But this is an interesting moment uh, in Disneyland history because Big Thunder Mountain, to my knowledge, you might know more than me, I'm sure you do, but this is kind of where Disneyland history, for the first time in my mind, starts on the East Coast. Yeah. Because when Tony Baxter came into his era, he, like every great Imagineer, that you don't come in as a hot shot and say, throw oh, everything no. else away. I know the future better than anybody. You always go back to the the, the sacred stones. The study under the masters. Yes. You go back to the old sacred uh, you know, ideas that they had and say, is there a way to improve this? And so the idea really came from the Western River Expedition which was going to be this mm-hmm. whole massive thing that was going to happen out in Florida, for those of you that aren't familiar with it. I, I, I break it down to you this way. Think of Radiator Springs mm-hmm. as the mountain range that it is, but imagine the mountain range being home to several attractions yep. versus just a, a nice fence to keep the, the dark ride separated from the racing and, and the, the strolling side of Radiator Springs. So the idea with Western River Expedition is there would be a bunch of, of attractions that would live in this mountain range out on the east coast and the idea was well why would we want to put pirates yep. out east 
because pirates in American history kind of come from Louisiana. Yep. There's a lot of pirate-themed things in Florida. So they were kind of thinking, like, let's give them something exotic, which is the Old West, because we gave or we give the, the West Coast New Orleans Square which is exotic to us versus out there. So it was a real kind of an idea of like switching around the pieces. It just didn't go that way when guests came in and said, I hey, don't make my pirates. Where's the pirates at? Where's the pirates at? That kills me. Like we could have got this amazing Mark Davis. Oh, and they're just like, we need the pirates. And then the version that they got is such a like, shortened cutoff version. Yeah. And that's that's the thing that kills me. Like if, if they at least had given than the an exact copy of the one here. Right. But I uh to my knowledge, because it's been so many so long since I've done the other ones, the Pirates in Magic Kingdom is the weakest of all of the Pirates. Yeah, I believe so because it mm-hmm. was done kind of on a budget, yep. kind of fast, and not really what they had planned to. Mm-hmm. That's what happens when you listen to, to fan feedback instead of your own Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was interesting that 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 didn't happen because mm-hmm. I think for like a lot of us that those illustrations and the characters and the vignettes that Mark Davis made of going on this sort of cowboy adventure, we get that same like creative like drooling of the mouth when we look at mm. the Indiana Jones concept yes. art that they should have never shown anybody. No, don't show that. If, oh, if you're not going to build it, don't show <laughs> it. Still gives, that concept art gives me chills. Oh, it kills of me. what we could have gotten. But I think a couple of things I would like for people to focus on today as we look at Big Thunder Mountain from sort of a different perspective of where you would hear other uh, shows cover this is I want you to kind of focus on this. Tony Baxter is... Disneyland or Imagineering, however you want to look at his position, Tony Baxter exists as the middle child yep. of the corporation. Second generation. He is in the middle there where he started out his career recycling, upgrading, and building on Mark Davis's genius ideas. But then at the halftime of his career, he was doing things like Fantasyland 1983, mm-hmm. where they were taking old concepts, making them new and building them in a way where they match the rest of the park. It would match the way that the park would go forward facing. Then he would end his career with the first wave of cinema IP attractions. Yes. Star Tours. And Indiana Jones. Mm -hmm. So literally when you look at Tony Baxter's (laughs) career, he is the middle child who's building these attractions that are really the bridge of old versus mm-hmm. new and fixing a little bit of in the middle. It's really a fascinating career. And and I want people to think of this right now. If you are kind of eh, on Big Thunder Mountain or maybe it's not your favorite thing or just something that you enjoy, I want you to keep in mind and correct me if I'm wrong, Philander, but mm-hmm. my research is telling me this is the last original IP attraction in Disneyland. Everything that would come afterwards would lean on a character would lean on a movie, would lean on something that had existed somewhere else. 1979 was the last of the originals. I think you're right. Especially yeah, if we think of just Disneyland Park, I believe you are correct. And definitely last e-ticket of that. Of yes. That, for, for sure. sure. For sure. E-ticket. For sure. I think you're right across the whole board. Yeah, that was, yeah, Big Thunder, I think was it. So in that way... It's really a massive chapter mm-hmm. in the Disneyland story, Disneyland yep. specific, because, you know, there was a lot of original things that um, 
have come and gone over mm-hmm. in DCA. So if we're looking at Disneyland specifically, that I think that's a big part in its chapter. So let's go back into how the land was used before it became Big Thunder. July 2nd, 1956, not exactly in the opening time, mm-hmm. the Rainbow Caverns Mine Train was there. I, I, what I like about the Rainbow Caverns Mine Train is that it is a synergy attraction. It's sharing space with the stagecoaches, the, how do you say it? The con- Cost, uh, uh, Conestoga? The French fry wagons. <laughs> yeah. That little, that little nod. <laughs> the French fry wagons, the pack mules. Uh, it, it was a very interesting thing that you're getting into that synergy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's a really basic version of what we would see happen over in the eastern corner yes. with Tomorrowland, mm-hmm. where we can, hey, we can stack attractions on top of each other. They can share footprints because it works really, really well. Mm-hmm. So on a on a budget, this is that first idea of like, well, let's build some stuff and see how we can cross share it. Mm-hmm. I love it. And you, I think we and I talked about, you just don't get that kind of kinetic energy that much in Disneyland anymore. No. Where it's, we get, we've gotten a lot of really amazing e-tickets as standalones, but within the land itself they just are not do they don't do that 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 much anymore you just don't really see it you don't see the the wagons crossing with the mules you don't see um people mover subs autopia monorail all interconnected with each other or even adding skyway like i can't picking I, i'm trying to like place myself in back in that time period where you can stand in a single spot and see almost six attractions all going at one time like yeah. that and that's, oh, yeah, you just don't get that. We've gotten great stuff, but I think that part of Disneyland, probably the way Imagineering looks at land design now, I don't think they're thinking about that much anymore, which is not the worst thing in the world, but it's definitely something that is is missing now. Well, I think when we look at Radiator Springs and Galaxy's Edge, we see significant time and energy spent mm-hmm. on isolation and separation. Yes. I feel like if any land would have a chance to have some level of kinetic energy, it might be Avengers Campus just because it's a donut hole. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's literally, let's build something in a donut hole because it's just got things all around it. Yeah. Based off the four pieces of entertainment that they've brought, they've mentioned for it, that alone is going to sell in a huge way. And I think, like you've said, make it feel a lot bigger than it is because if you count Spider-Man swinging, they're going to have the Dora Milaje like training kids. Um, like Black Panthers, his um, his like female Secret Service yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. You have your 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 stage show atop where the Quinjet is, and then you have the Doctor Strange. I don't know how much people are going to be able to see from that from like outside, but the other three you will be able to see all within like a like the, the specific range of each other. That is a lot of stuff happening all at once for a land that really isn't that big, but it's going to feel so energetic with all that stuff going on. Because that land is also very small, they're going to have to use those stages immediately. Mm -hmm. They can't build them and hold on to them like they have in Galaxy's Edge. Because Galaxy's Edge, there was so much heavy lifting going on by the the architecture and the landscaping and and the overall scale. They do not have that luxury with Avengers Campus, so it's got to get going. So it's interesting to think that this sort of cheaper corner of Disneyland Mm -hmm. would, in a way... I think maybe get them looking at the way of doing uh, sort of this cross marketing of attractions. You know, you can build a couple of big things, mm-hmm. share it with some others, and and you really like round out your investment, but also make the land feel real because every attraction is living off the other piece of yes. it as well. You know, like one of the successful things about Rivers of America is how it really stitches together so many loose ends and how there's so much happening there. Like when the boats are both going and you see, uh, you know, canoes or the the rafts going over to the island, it just creates an energy and 
none of that could look it looks flawless when you're looking out at it facing Frontierland. Mm-hmm. It looks flawless when it's over on New Orleans Square, the little corner over in Critter Country. It looks flawless. And then when it's in the background, just in Rivers of America, like it literally is going around like this weird like time loop. Yeah. And it looks good in all spots. And it feels so special uh, to have all that stuff integrated. Like you feel like you're part of a like you're in a actual Western town because you can imagine kind of the hustle and bustle that would be in a space like that. And it adds to that. Like it really feels that I am actually somewhere else. And I think we don't get a lot of that anymore. Um, But yeah, I'm I'm imagining now thinking about the canoes having to slow down because, you know, they're catching up to the twain or how the, the rafts have to take a moment because the Columbia is passing by before they go. What are the names of the rafts? Do they have a particular name? Uh, it's Tom Sawyer rafts. Okay. Like, yeah, they don't think Catch they've given up. <laughs> I, I need to get that tish. Or give it like a very long-winded name. Yeah, yeah. Which I love that we're doing all the time now. Just... Battle of the Crossing of the Rivers <laughs> of America. <laughs> it's so much of of sharing uh, uh, or selling an intellectual property and then also naming the attraction at the same time. Smugglers Run, Millennium Falcon. <laughs> Um, Spider-Man, a web slinger, or web slingers, a Spider-Man adventure. Yeah, because <laughs> we wouldn't know it was Spider-Man. Nope. It was just web slingers. <laughs> you know, one of the things that I enjoyed about the Rainbow Caverns, though, is that version of Rainbow Ridge, mm-hmm. which is the fictional little, you know, uh, little minor town. town. It looked uh, more grandiose when it was kind of up on its own. Yes, and it was overlooking the river, and then you had the 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 chicken plantation house on the mm-hmm. other side of it. And and that kind of version of Frontierland really does look very, very frontierish. Mm-hmm. And, you know, before we had New Orleans Square, this area was just living all around the river. And yes. you had the old sawmill out on the island. So that was a very cute, you know what I mean? Like almost like a little bitty cowboy town <laughs> model that mm-hmm. was there. But as time would go on, this area would evolve. So that would open up in 56 Four years later, in 60, it would go over from Rainbow Cavern's Mine Train to Mine Train Through Nature's Wonderland. This attraction, I read some old reviews on when it opened up. Mm -hmm. This is one of those things. (laughs) It's hard for us to imagine blue people's minds, but literally getting on a smaller size train, Mm -hmm. going on a train ride, and seeing 200 animatronic animals. Yep blew people's, people's mind. minds. Absolutely blew their minds. Mm-hmm. Like I read reviews of a guy from the LA Times, I took my grandson and my granddaughter <laughs> there and we rolled through and they were, the children were amazed at seeing bears in a river eating a salmon. Like the bears in a river. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I read old articles, I just have old timey voices in my head. I do that too. I think of the, uh, how they used to call baseball games like that. And, oh. you know, the, here we are today, or 1955, here we are with Walt Disney, you know. Old TV shows, no silence, and they mm-hmm. yell at each other. <laughs> Philander, we got to record a podcast, see? You got to get that microphone next get to your mouth. We got to get this going. As fast as possible. <laughs> Just like, don't let it breathe. But the Mind Train Through Nature's Wonderland, uh, a, a pretty epic thing for the time. Yes. And, you know, this is one of those things where people are like, oh, I wish that was still there. I wish that was still there. I hate to tell people this <laughs> because I would love to go in a time machine and mm-hmm. ride on it once. Yeah. But if it was still there, it would be like Jungle Cruise is today. Mm-hmm. Somebody from out of town's with you and they really want to do it. Yep. You say, I'll meet you when you get off. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it just, it's a, 
Jungle Cruise to me is very special because opening day, yes, what it sold, the way it put together. I just don't think this would have worked the way that that people think that it would in their mind. Yeah, I think a lot of I, one of my hottest takes that I give with people is that I, if you go back in time, you would be thrilled to see opening Disney, day Disneyland, yes. but you'd get you'd be done with it really quickly, like yeah. because of what you're so used to now and the way we consume entertainment and the way we are amazed at things, but almost not as amazed that we would have been. Um, Cause I, I, I constantly, I think it was you, you and I both have talked about how uh, a rise of the resistance is our pirates of the Caribbean yes. and how an individual. And I thought about that in my countless rides on pirates about what it must've been like to sit in that boat for the first time for and sure. see that and going back and doing attractions like, the original Jungle Cruise or uh, Mind Change of the Nature's Wonderland, it just wouldn't hit with the audience of today and people would have it would have it gone. And it's like one of those things where people have said, you know, old Disneyland was only good when Walt was here. And I was like, well, you know, we've made some pretty big additions to the park since he's been gone. So I, while you can say his time was very special there and all the things he added and his ideas, it's not like we've just been like, you know, messing up since then. There's a lot of great things that come from it and I, I know people are just very attached to that like nostalgia. Yeah, nostalgia confuses people. Mm-hmm. It, it clouds your vision and it makes you think, man, there'll never be a Christmas better than yep. the Christmas when I was like six years old and my dad gave me my first bike. But then if you could go in a time machine and go back there, like, oh, he made mom cry that morning. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yes. You know, like you just see the pieces of it that, that you want to see. Mm-hmm. And the, the mind train through uh, Nature's Wonderland, it just wouldn't hold up today. No. Especially when you think about it's massive footprint. Yes, way big. Because at that moment, they were literally like, let's make something that fills the space. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, they have the space and yeah. the attraction fits inside of it. It was mm-hmm. completely opposite of what we're doing right now. But the interesting thing is whenever you're walking through the Big Thunder Trail, whenever you see railroad tracks or a tunnel, whenever you see anything abandoned, mm-hmm. you're seeing remnants of this attraction so that gives you a really great idea of how much more Disneyland we got yes. by letting this one letting it go. attraction go, which would literally, like, if they did it now, the guy on the train would be like, look at those bears over there in the water. <laughs> They're having a barely having any fun. I think it's your exact, I think it's the exact argument that when, we, when people bring out Autopia, it's the exact same argument of this is such a massive parcel of land and when it comes time to having to pick and choose between you know adding new things it, it's it's going to be one of those things where you kind of have to let it go in a way or maybe it's autopia shrinking maybe it's leaving it all together but you stand in the way of progress you know i've had people say oh i wish i could go back to you know i wish the flying saucers were still here and i was like well the saucers were where space mountain is so are you willing to give up space mountain for those saucers back and it's like, you know, I want the saucers inside of Space Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> you want them on the bottom? You can yeah. look up and see the coaster yeah. going. That sounds good to me. Right, in that's the dark, good imagineering. In I like the dark. That. <laughs> you know, but we're we're talking about something that is it means so much to people yeah. that we can't convince them their passion is wrong. Yeah. And for like a lot of people that are you know hardcore Disneylanders, Utopia is sacred to them. It is. It is not to me. Um, I don't have that nostalgia with it. I I think that it is, at this moment, it is a waste of space, and it is a ride that I don't like the way that it runs. Mm -hmm. And then people go, why don't they switch out over to electric cars? 
that would have been amazing if they would have did that in the mid-90s. Yeah. Because an electric car would have been forward-facing. It was a novelty. There's plenty of us that are already taking self-driving electric cars to yep. Disneyland. Mm-hmm. And by the way, if you put a kid in a self-driving electric car, they were in a self-driving car on the way to Disneyland. It's called Mom and Dad or the Ant yeah. or the Babysitter. Mm-hmm. Like, the fun is giving the kid control. The kid doesn't care if it's zero emissions or mm-hmm. a, a motor, a chainsaw on the back. Yeah. And I do see kids all the time in the cars, on their phones, which mm-hmm. makes me say, it's time to go. <laughs> yeah, well, I I think we get that thing confused where something is incredibly nostalgic, but we know without knowing the man personally that Walt wasn't that way at all. No. So I always think about if he had come back, what things... What would he say about us still running some of the same things that he were running when he was there? Like, I think he would ask, where is the progress in that? You know, how is Autopia the exact same 65 years later? Like, either why is it still there or, you know, why haven't we done anything more with it? The man left animation because he was bored with it. I, 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 Ricky, oh my gosh. I share that quote every time with people because I think. These cartoons are boring me. Yeah, I'm done with it. I'm, I'm bored. I, um, people, I think we always hear that imagination you know, that quote from Walt, whenever there's imagination left in the world, you know, uh, Disneyland will, will never be, be complete. completed as long as there's imagination mm-hmm. left in the world. And it gets used a lot for sure. But there's there's another really great quote. And I'm going to remember it for later if I can't remember it now, where he very specifically details why he wants Disneyland and why it's so important to keep it changing. And. That's one I don't think people hear that often because I think the other one is like a nice, nice. He never wanted it to become a museum. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Autopia right now is really going down the the museum road. So as we look at that land, mm-hmm. it starts out crude. They do a little bit of work to it. Four years later, they do uh, another stretch of work to it. The mine train through nature's wonderland would go from sixty to seventy-seven. So seventeen years. Yeah, they had a sound bad. investment on the the two hundred animatronics in there. But they knew that it was time to do something different. So in 72, they start to come up with the idea for building a, a Big Thunder uh, mountain. They, they come up with the idea for doing this, but it got put on hold because of Space Mountain. Mm-hmm. The reason why it's great that it got put on hold is because in the time span of, hey, let's do this in 72, to actually being able to open it up in 79, in that window when they're working on Space Mountain, the computer design tracks were invented. Mm-hmm. That's why this thing, and I know that the track has been since replaced yes. in the big refurb that we had, but that's why this thing was designed in a way that it feels like riding in a Cadillac mm-hmm. versus Matterhorn or you know Space Mountain that will beat the hell out of you. <laughs> yeah, you can you can really feel it. <laughs> and you know, I think for Matterhorn. That's a huge part of the charm. Yes. When people complain about how rough it rides, I go, well, then you're just not a Matterhorn person because it's a mountain. It's rough. It's rugged. It's, it's bobsledding. It's old school. It's yeah. bobsledding. But you have to admit, Big Thunder just glides. Mm-hmm. And it's because it's literally not two guys going, Ed, you been that 30 degrees? I've been to 30 <laughs> degrees. Like just two lunatics out there figuring it out. <laughs> just trying to make it work. 
I mean, when you, when you look at Jungle Cruise and they're driving a station wagon, wagon through there <laughs> to like plot a, it out, it's insane. It's like those videos of uh, Harper Goff, like uh, just try, you know, just making it work. You know, like that's a guy I would love to hung out with for an afternoon. Uh huh. Same. If I could go in a time machine and sit on a porch with that guy and mm-hmm. talk Disneyland for an hour, the stories oh, he'd get. Oh, the stories he would tell you. I mean, the whole way he and Walt meet and like trying to bid on a train and mm-hmm. Walt hires him. Like, I, I, I bet it was like wasn't really looking for a job who's this guy yeah, who's this guy <laughs> like when you hear about walt just being like hey uh joe fowler i know you just retired but i'm hiring you to do a job like, who is this guy? yeah These putting you back to work yeah. forget what you forget retirement i, I retired for a reason sir <laughs> so when we look at big thunder mountain once again we're now in this era of the 70s we're seeing the eastern influence mm-hmm. of world come back to Disneyland. Yes. And it's really interesting where it's like Disneyland was the originator and now, you know, almost you've spent this summer with your daughter. Mm -hmm. You're the parent. Mm -hmm. You lay down the law. But one might say you've learned a couple of things from your child. Definitely. And and that's what we're seeing now in the history of Disneyland. If we look at the 100 year mark, we're seeing influence from the East Coast working its way back to the West. Getting a lot of stuff from uh, the Asia parks or I mean having Space Mountain get built at Walt Disney World in 75 is a huge is huge for not only Big Thunder being built in 79 but also our Space Mountain here at Disneyland getting built in 77 like getting a lot of like extra influence and then what we're starting to learn you know we finally got our first uh trackless dark ride but we we were one of the last parks to get that you know when i went to paris Mm -hmm. i went straight to uh ratatouille Ratatouille. Mm -hmm. because i'm like i've got to see what the Mm -hmm. future looks like this is the future because once i learned that you could take guests on different adventures Mm -hmm. you could ride an attraction you could hit a different showroom i said there's no way imagineering's not going to fight to put this on anything that has a budget yep and you know a big part of the success of Rise of the Resistance is because of that technology. Mm-hmm. Because that that track, you not knowing where you're going, creates an entire different type of storytelling. It really does. So, with the backstory of Big Thunder Mountain, we're building on what we already had there. The idea is it's in the late 1800s, gold was discovered on Big Thunder Mountain in the American Southwest. Now, there was actually a mountain quote in. Uh, one of the earlier attractions called Big Thunder Mountain. Mm-hmm. So they hold on to that name, but they flush it out a little bit more. And overnight, Rainbow Ridge, a small mining town, became a thriving one because of the invention of the gold. Now, the Big Thunder Railroad, which is actually the train line, it was set up to transport the gold around because they're, they're just making money hand over fist. However, unknown to these settlers that are new to the area, the mountain was a sacred spot to the local Native Americans. Mm-hmm. And had a curse attached to it. Some might say that the trains are haunted and they can run themselves. I'll let you be the decider on that. I wish we had... Uh, I know back then they weren't doing it as much, but I wish there was a tad bit more of that in the queue because it's a great backstory. And I love unearthing like um, the show guides for Imagineering where you get all this extra detail. And while there's a little bit of it there... Um, you know the the issue of space at Disneyland is always tough. You know Walt Disney World and other parks get their queues are so much more elaborate, so they can kind of give you a bit more right, of the story. Right, and we don't get it as much in our Big Thunder. But we also trade off. We don't have the crowds. That's fair. So we don't have to spend uh-huh. time learning about something in the queue because mm-hmm. we can zip in and zip out because we scale more to the size of amusement park versus small city. Yes. Yeah, we also don't have to have a bunch of indoor queues because it's not always. 2,000 degrees outside. Perfect. And it's not on fire. <laughs> That's right. 
So when you look at that backstory, it it's a really good way of paying tribute to the things that were there before mm-hmm. and just plussing it up. And I really like that idea. So, you know, because we're looking at it now as people like, this is how we've always known it. It's a history lesson. But there was somebody who rode the last incarnation when they were three. Mm-hmm. It got torn down when they were 20. This thing opens up and they're in their mid-20s. And like, Pfft. You know what I mean? Like, the yeah. last thing meant something to me. Mm-hmm. So it's it's hard for us to think about how they also had to worry about pleasing the immediate audience yes. that had been there for a little while. And, you know, this attraction is the third of the four mountains that make up the Disneyland mountain range. Mm-hmm. Matterhorn was first. Space Mountain was second. We would get Big Thunder as the third one. And then mm-hmm. the last mountain we'd get would be Splash Mountain, which will be converted soon to. Yeah. Will they? Is there going to be a name for the mountain when it becomes Princess and the Frog? That's a great question. I think people look at it as that like Frog Mountain. mountain you heard it. <laughs> it's like, there it is, Frog Mountain, Tiana Mountain. Like, I'm, uh, I'm wondering how they will incorporate that. I'm almost like we just joked about it. I'm almost expecting the words Princess and the Frog to be in it. Um, and I would rather them not, but I, I, I get that side of it. I get why it needs to be done. But there's a part of me that wants the mountain part to be in there because... You know, the Disneyland mountain range is such like a thing. And you could even say, even though Matterhorn bobsleds doesn't have the word mountain to it, you know, I think we've just lived with that for so long now at this point. And we're, we're, we're so used to like how those flow. Cause I think back then it wasn't such a big deal. The attraction name was pretty simple. Like it, it really just described either what it is or what you're doing on right. it. And that was it. You know, I can't believe I haven't seen this. Maybe it exists, but I'm going to give a freebie out to the listeners because I don't want to make merchandise. But why has nobody made Matterhorn basketball jerseys? That's a great question. <laughs> if you go into that fun fact, there should be Matterhorn basketball jerseys. So it's- when we get back over to Big Thunder, uh, it is themed after uh, Bryce Canyon National Park yes. in Utah. But what they did that is, and if you go and look at photos of Bryce Canyon it's unreal how similar the rock formations are. Like mm-hmm. they did such a great yeah. job of it's plucking that out. A perfect picture. Like, it they, really like is. you had said, we had talked about taking the right pictures in Disneyland and convincing someone that you went somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. Like take just above Big Thunder where you don't get any of the train tracks or any part of Disneyland and it and that's on a perfect sky night. You look it looks like you actually traveled to those locations. Well, and one of the things that makes this attraction successful, and you have to kind of think about this thought process, but they built a mountain, mm-hmm. and then they built a ride around a it. Ride around it. Versus, if you look at Matterhorn, which is the first roll of the dice at this, mm-hmm. you see the track and you see yeah. it bobbing and weaving out of the mountain. And although that is a part of the allure of Matterhorn and what makes it so special, this one literally does seem like here's the mountain, and here's how we had to blow a hole through it to get the train car to go mm-hmm. through it. Like the ride does visually appear to lean into the landscaping around yes. it. Now, I know that's a magic trick, mm-hmm. but if you really think about that from a designer's point of view, that's a high-level way of thinking because most people are never going to really like verbally like, you know, get that out yeah. or, or notice that. Articulate that. But it's it's an amazing way to experience the attraction. That's what makes it feel so real because the tracks always literally look like that's the little bit of space that was left over for mm-hmm. them versus this beautiful, perfect track going straight down. Mm-hmm. You know what that is? Did you hear that? <laughs> I hear it. They're, when the park reopens, they're bringing back the helicopters from LAX. 
We got big faith in high attendances. They're bringing back the helicopter tours. <laughs> when they were doing the big refurb of Big Thunder, I think it was was that two, 2014, I want to say? Yes, it was. Um, seeing how how much of a how much how painstaking that was for them to replace the track but not they can't alter the mountain anymore really kind of leaned into the fact that you're just saying about how specific that is to that to switch out every piece of track and replace it but to not damage or alter the mountain in any way to do that is incredible and that thing after the 214 refurb it glides it glides it is such a smooth ride considering the going uphill, going downhill. Mm-hmm. I mean, if that attraction, you know the two the two turns. Oh yeah, I love that's my favorite part of the track. If I had a third one, I couldn't ride it. <laughs> I mean, I am, like that's it. I'm teetering on the edge right there. That second one, I'm like, oh, He's like oh, I hate that goat. I hate that goat. <laughs> of course, the attraction has all these little things that we love: the dinosaur sculpted into the side of it, the mm-hmm. small pond that feels like a Matterhorn. A little this, Matterhorn water break. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. the water break of Matterhorn was used to cool the brake pads. Yep. On this attraction, we never actually go through the water. Yeah. It's little jets, little that, jets that pump it out. But, you know, there's the abandoned mine car that's up on the top ridge that's mm-hmm. kind of hard to see. You're going 30 my, 35 miles an hour. The biggest drop is a little bit less than 40 feet. Yeah. It, it is so much storytelling in a two-acre plot of land, but I think this is what makes it really successful is they not only thought about what it felt like for us to go on this adventure, mm-hmm. this attraction was designed with the people on the outside trails in mind. Yes. The fact that they submerged the queue. Mm-hmm. So when you walk up to it, you see the, the the outer facade, like you see the fencing, you see some of the, the brush, and you see the mountain. You don't see that big mall of people moving around. No. That down on the ground, carved in between rock, that looping around, it not only hides those folks from us, but it makes the mountain seem bigger because now you're down below it looking up. Mm -hmm. I love that detail to me is so genius. And then when you're on the backside, you literally only see this attraction when they want you to. Like that glide when they... <laughs> you know the glide yeah. when they go uh-huh, around into the tunnel, out, yep. and then on the backside you see it in one other spot. Like it's a huge roller coaster, yeah. That is, for the most part, really hidden really from hidden. the people that are walking by, mm-hmm. which preserves the idea that this is Big Thunder Mountain and the train is going through it. Versus, it's a roller coaster that goes around a mountain. Yeah, they. That is one of the reasons Big Thunder is my absolute favorite taking a relatively small amount of space out of all of the coasters and creating such an elaborate track layout. Yeah. You know, three lift hills, all those turns, drops, like getting all of that. When you look at the space that the Incredit Coaster takes up, as fun as it is, it's such a massive thing. And for them to be able to fit these really tight turns and then, like you said, with the speed not even being that fast, for them to incorporate so many dips and spins and turns, it feels like so much more than it actually is. You're always doing something. You're always doing something. You're always on the move. You're always going through this next thing, through this next or you're little dipping, show up. Like you're going to hit your head, and you know, or it's a tight turn, or it's a drop, or it's just it's so much in that space. And while you could say, because I want to say maybe the footprint is is um, uh, it's a little bit bigger than Space Mountain. You look at what the two attractions do with that amount of space, because Space Mountain has been criticized by people for as ours is a lot of the, you know, a lot of right turns in it as you go all the way down. And it's still fun, but... Um, well, they're so limited because they're mm-hmm. inside of a bubble. Outside of a bubble. And the bubble's tapered. 
So you have to work inside that tapered mm-hmm. edge of the way that the bubble works. Whereas Big Thunder, you're just ripping back and forth. And, and dare I say, when you're going up that biggest hill, if you look over your left-hand shoulder, it's absolutely one of the best views of the yeah. park you'll ever see. I mean, you can literally see all the way to Main Street mm-hmm. when you're up on that incline. But I think Philander, like dropping the cue down low like that, and then the sound effects for us. Mm-hmm. You know, when we're standing... That's for us. That's not for the people on the train. Mm -hmm. Like this attraction tells a story to everyone around it, as well as the people that are inside of it. Mm -hmm. And with so many attractions that are hidden, Haunted Mansion, you know, where is that? Who knows? Yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean. Who is that? Where does that go? I don't know. (laughs) No, this is an attraction that really interacts with you. And I think that is a real signature of Tony Baxter design because Splash Mountain yeah. has observation moments. Like when you go on the backside of Fowler's Harbor and you come up on that little walkway yes. before you dip out to the pickle wagon, mm-hmm. that area is lined up perfectly, perfectly to watch the big drop. Mm-hmm. And then if you go to your backside, you just see everybody soaked, having that, oh my God, how wet are you, Dad? Mm-hmm. You know, when they're cruising around on the backside, like the the man was really good at making something that was amazing when you're inside of it, mm-hmm. but also a fantastic experience for spectators. Yeah, I also think... I love what you mentioned about the queue, as you keep getting deeper and deeper. And even when you go up the stairs and you're at the load area, you still can't really see the people. You can't see all the frontier land because they've placed a lot of trees perfectly in that space to where you, uh, if you're facing that pathway, you're seeing mainly just the trees. Or if you're on the other side, you get that beautiful view of where the train comes back in with the dinosaur and then you get the actual mountain itself. And it's just such careful design. That's a postcard. Mm-hmm. It's that's a, a living. Postcard. That's a living postcard that people just fly through every five mm-hmm. minutes. The train is the 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 the, the attraction can hold five trains. Yep, up to four of them can run at the same time. I've seen five. I can do five. Oh yeah, it's tough with is five. Is it six trains or is it? Five? They have, I believe, seven altogether, okay. but it can run up to five at a time. Wow. They rarely do five because they have to get people going it's one of the most efficient attractions at Disney, right so yeah normal normal is four but five can be done but five um they will have they will get into issues of it backing up if people um are not moving quickly or they will take off a train if a guest is potentially coming to board it and they have um um, a disability that will um, inhibit them from getting into the train quickly. Yeah. So they will take off a train because then you get to those moments where it could possibly back up. But it is it is by far. I think the only other one would be because in credit coasters like that, but it's so much longer. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's incredibly efficient. Yeah. I mean, those attractions though. Thirty people on a cart. Yeah. <laughs> get them in. Get them out. I mean, if there's it's five running, train. that's 150 people. Mm-hmm. In enjoying that attraction all at once. Outside of Omni Movers or something like the Disneyland Railroad, like mm-hmm. that's pretty unheard of for an yeah. e-ticket that, that's cruising like that. So here are a couple of the Disneyland for designer details. These are like the little things that everybody loves. Uh, if you look at the sign when you come into the attraction, uh, there's a sign that says Willard P. Bounds. That is an homage to Lillian Dizzy's uh, dad. Yes. And that used to actually be, he used to be listed as the marshal over in Rainbow Ridge, mm-hmm. but now he's on the little sign. All of the trains have fun names. You be bold. You are courageous. I am loco is my personal favorite one. <laughs> but they all have different little names talking about how brave you are because part of the idea is this is a ghost train. 
that, that you're getting on. So I love the idea that, you know, it's not so much about how intense the ride is because this is like a warm-up roller coaster for for younger folks it's yeah. a family coaster but those names i think they lean more into like this is a scary spot like mm-hmm. the settlers left for a reason <laughs> you're bold for going in there uh if you go over into the frontier tower over at the disneyland hotel oh gosh you'll okay. see one of the quarter scale models that was used to design uh the big thunder mountain which is i love the model making of disneyland yeah but I love where those models often go off to, mm-hmm. how they have a life afterwards. Like, there's just one little, like, cake slice of Galaxy's Edge. It's over my favorite attraction, Launch Bay. <laughs> and I just love I'm like, who decided just to cut this little slice yeah, of the cake off and put slice. it over here? <laughs> I love that model in the Frontier Tower. And it's, it's like, and it's all of it. Like, they didn't shortchange it or cut it down. You can literally trace, especially if you've done it plenty of times, you can trace the entire route of the attraction there. Like, no cut corners. You know, one of the things I started doing after I realized how Disneyland literally thinks about people's needs is I'm like, I need to go explore the hotels. Mm-hmm. And going over and exploring the hotels one afternoon was like getting a whole bunch of more magic. Mm-hmm. So awesome. Uh, also, one of the things is that is fascinating is when you're ripping up to Rainbow Ridge, there's this like old cowboy sign. Mm-hmm. And it's pointing in all these different directions. And what it's showing you is where every other Big Thunder attraction mm-hmm. in the world is located. So it's pointing towards in the direction f- towards Florida or, or towards one of the uh, parks in Asia or the, the one in Paris that's phenomenal. And it also tells you how far away those are. And what I think is clever, the Florida one is in miles, but the international ones are in metric. It's, it's little things. And people are like, ugh, <laughs> cowboys didn't use a metric system. I'm like... <laughs> Yeah, I know. But it's also saying that that is how you would get to that attraction using that unit of measurement because those are international versions. Yep. And I have to say, the version in Paris is unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Because one, it's its own island. It's on an island. It's on an island, which then puts it so far off on the horizon that when you come through Frontierland, mm-hmm. as you like to say, it's the weenie at the end of the yep. path. And it's so far back there, it looks like a painting. It doesn't look real. And then it's juxtaposition with their haunted mansion is amazing because their haunted mansion is graded up on a hill yes and when you come out and you're like peering over you're just looking down on a valley and big thunder is out there in an island by itself that one is so so grandiose mm-hmm. and it's interesting to me like i would love to know what a parisian thinks of that western type vibe yeah like does that mean something to them like it means to us Mm -hmm. or does it maybe mean more to them because like america's right now is we're kind of wrestling with our western heritage yes like maybe to them it's just all fiction and with none of the 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 bad things that went along with that time period so i would love to know do they have a more pure and innocent look at Frontierland? they're just like no there must be some kind of cowboy stuff (laughs) (laughs) that's that's really good i never thought about that before that's really good I think about these things full on. <laughs> I think about these things. For people that like to look around for the little details, there are five horseshoes on the attraction mm-hmm. that are all in the the lucky way, right? The the, the lucky way, mm-hmm. which is facing up mm-hmm. so that it can c- collect good luck. Mm-hmm. But there is one horseshoe that is the opposite direction. Yes. When you go into the mine shaft to let you know bad things are abound, you get that other horseshoe that's tilted the other way. Who's looking for that horseshoe? I have no idea. <laughs> These are things that Imagineers do for nerds and for insane people. 
I wonder what the horseshoes mean, Philander. Let's take a look. We got to find some research. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it is it is really interesting. It's a very interesting attraction in that that big piece of land that they put so much in there with the animals, with the way that they guide you through. Like it is really a masterful maze. That's all the way that it's interwoven, the way that it doesn't overstay its welcome, the way that it, it's picturesque for those of us on the inside yes. versus those on the outside. And to really pay tribute to all of that, when you go through Rainbow Ridge next time, look through the windows. You might find the president of the Big Thunder Mining Company, and he might look familiar. <laughs> oh, Barnabas. Oh, Barnabas T. Bullion. What a, what a Western, what a Western name. Philander, I worked with your father. I worked with your father, see? <laughs> yeah, Barnabas, a uh, great chap, good fit of mine. <laughs> <laughs> Met him several times over a drink. <laughs> so, you know, that's kind of the story and, and some of the, the, the hidden gems, but I kind of always like to look at what these attractions mean to the folklore of Disneyland. And in my mind, this is one that will be there at the hundred year mark. Yes, for I, sure. I don't know what will happen to Frontierland, but I feel very, very safe the Big Thunder Mountain will never go away because, you know, they did a eighteen month refurbishment in March two thousand fourteen. Mm-hmm. Completely went through, did a new track system like they had done with Space Mountain. They put in new trains, new effects, you know, the the exploding mine, that thing. So well done. So, so well, well done. done. I mean, what they've been able to do with the, the uh, image light mapping, you know, where they can just project anything on any surface and make it feel real. It, it, it's so cool that I really think that not only with its legacy of being the final original IP attraction mm-hmm. tied into Disney legend Tony Baxter but really how efficient it is the amount of space that it uses and if for whatever reason Frontierland were to go another way I just feel like that and the Mark Twain are safe yeah. for infinity just because isolated and alone they can stand for the origins of America without really rubbing anybody the wrong way like these are sort of like innocent to their own history type things. Yeah, because yeah, you could say even Mark Twain would probably, you could say if it wasn't for Big Thunder being a fantastic roller coaster, Mark Twain is, it just gets the job done. It's incredibly efficient. It adds to the you know picturesque nature of that side of the park. Uh, Big Thunder is uh, gives you the feeling of the Old West without making it too specific yeah. to where like this will always be this little corner frontier land because Big Thunder is here. You know, a runaway um uh, train going through, uh, you know, a gold mine shaft. Like it's, it's, it, it does the job. They did something smart. Mm-hmm. They made it about mining and gold. Yes. Not about cowboys and Indians. Yes. Which is interesting because when you look at when they built Splash Mountain, you're almost like, what the hell? Were you <laughs> so it's, it's cool that this one, they went in a very safe environment. Mm-hmm. Very so broad. It, it's, it's Western, it's mining, it's, it's a little town, but it doesn't get into any sort of other narrative. And whatever happens to Frontierland, who knows? But I feel like this thing is, is really, really safe. And I feel like it means so much to people because it is what Walt always wanted. It's a family roller coaster. Yep. Like, I am not a roller coaster person. I can't do uh, Space Mountain. The, the darkness really, really messes me up. Mm-hmm. The Incredicoaster is way too intense for too my intense. my old man equilibrium. But Big Thunder, 
in Matterhorn, those those are in my wheelhouse. Like I can do that. Mm-hmm. And I've loved riding those with my family and my friends. I mean, it's not something I do every time, but I really, really love that attraction. Yeah, and it's it's uh, when you get to all these amazing, massive coasters now where they are literally these engineers are thinking about ways they can push the human body to like yeah. its absolute limits. It's nice that Disney can still create a thrilling coaster that doesn't like push you to the absolute breaking point, but that you can have a 40 inch high requirement, which is about, I would say a four year old. Yeah. And the four year old is having just as much fun as someone our age. And then just as much fun as someone, my dad's age, who's in his sixties that we're all loving big thunder at the same time. Yeah. It's really a great attraction. And it's one of those things where, some things are better at night. Some things are better at day. No. It's good always, <laughs> right? It's good always. You ever gotten on Big Thunder with pyro going off, fireworks? Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. oh man, is that amazing. It's like a dream. <laughs> you know another one that's really great for fireworks is I, I got on a weird bender like a couple of summers ago where mm-hmm. it seems like every time I would ride Radiator Springs, Oh yeah, the fireworks would be going off. Okay, and you're up on that stage, right? Mm-hmm. Like the 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 opening first scene. initial. Yeah, you're first up on act. that stage, so you're looking kind of up and high, and it feels like the fireworks are just landing right over DCA. Oh, wow. It was surprisingly one of the better like on attraction firework experiences I've ever had. You know, speaking of uh, fireworks and attractions, the mine train through Nature's Wonderland. This was sort of an unknown, like they didn't post this anywhere, Mm -hmm. but if you got on the train at 8.50, they would go into the back of that attraction Mm -hmm. and they would just park it and you would watch the fireworks from the train. Uh. It wasn't posted. It wasn't mentioned. (laughs) It was just something they did because who doesn't want them to park the train so you can watch the fireworks? I I will also say this. I love giving this advice. Uh, Out front of the Village House restaurant, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to call it Beauty and the Beast ever, (laughs) outside of the, the Village House restaurant, if you watch the fireworks there on a date night, it will be you and your significant other. You will be alone. Mm-hmm. The fireworks are right over the trees, over the, the Fantasyland theater there. They've already shut down Fantasyland, so the families are gone. Everybody else is everywhere else in the park. Village house, those tables and chairs out there, sit out there. It is all the romance you can handle. Yeah. Philander, if you ever want to propose to me, that's the spot. <laughs> that's it. I'll know. That's the spot. <laughs> so Big Thunder Mountain. It was part of the Marvel Comics series, yeah. Disney Kingdoms, where mm-hmm. they told backstories, and there's some wild uh, illustrations of our man TB in there. The the illustrations where they brought uh, um, Barnabas to life. Barnabas was gr- T. Bullion. was great. It also, strangely, I'm going to have to go on a deep dive and, and research this a little bit deeper. In 2013, ABC ordered a pilot based off of the variety, mm-hmm. Big Thunder Mountain. I would love to know what was that going to be? What? what kind of TV show was that going to be? Oh, no. There's thunder <laughs> in the mountain. In the mountain. Tonight on ABC. <laughs> and for those of you that are big Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom fans, they actually used the recordings of the train for the minecart scenes in that movie. So little little interesting thing we to like spin that. around. We love that synergy. But I'll tell you what I like the most. These are fine. Yeah. Make a TV show about it. Record it in a movie. Make a comic book about it. Those are fine. What I love most is when I'm over on Jesse's Critter Roundup. Oh, yes. The painting of the goat and Big Thunder over there. Mm-hmm. That park, cross park attraction reference. I love it. Give me more of that. Mm-hmm. The first time, first off, Jesse's, is it Critter Roundup? Is that what it's called? Critter Carousel. Critter Carousel. Mm-hmm. That Critter Carousel is beautiful. 
I was really worried about how would they rebrand the old carousel because the old carousel yeah. around the top had photos of real. I California love that, peers. and I I know so many people that never noticed that. Love that. Yeah, and it's just like a, a great nod, and I love that little attachment to history and the theming of other like pier side amusements. Um, yeah, that's that's I think I think the I miss the most from King Tritons was that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that and riding on the dolphin. But <laughs> when they did Jesse's, it to put the pool handle on top to make it look like a children's toy. Yep. How amazing those animals are all crafted, like mm-hmm. the colors they use, the the models, like how animated they are. But the real winner, aside from the soundtrack, is the mural that's painted around the back. backside mm-hmm. of it. How that ties them into Big Thunder Mountain all the way on the other side mm-hmm. of the resort. More of that, please. Yeah, that, I do want more of that. Have you seen the, uh, you know, the Loud Bang pin cart that's over by the, um, it's the pin cart that's by the little small coffee shop as you're walking to Pixar Pier? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And they have that same Loud Bang advertisement over in Disneyland and Frontierland um, to the right of the stagecoach, uh, stage door cafe where you get corn oh, dogs. you know, I never noticed that. It's, it's both Loud Bang, and I've been for a long in, time. In the fireworks mural? Mm-hmm. It's loud bang. Like the Chinese mural over there. That That's a great painting, by mm-hmm. the way. They just refurbished that like a year or yep. so ago. I always walk my art friends over there. I'm like, check out this mural, man. This thing. And everybody looks at them and they go, oh, that's not a decal. That's like really like yeah. hand Somebody put it. that on there. But yeah, it's the same name as the pin cart. And I've always wondered if they have done that as a uh, as a fun nod to that or if there's like a backstory for that fireworks you know, company. You can say like loud bang. But yeah, more of that. I love that cross-reference. And I also really enjoy that in 2014, probably one of the things that we all get to enjoy the most from Big Thunder, because you can't ride it every time you go, mm-hmm. is switching over to the LED lighting mm, made yeah. the mountain at night look so yeah. much more like the sun's always setting on it. And mm-hmm. that sort of purple color. And then for Halloween, they do the, the purple green type yes. thing on it. Like, it, it looks the so lighting. good at night. Yeah. The lighting packages that they've developed over the last few years for uh, like that and then Space Mountain when it gets done at Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, back when they used to have the Ghost Galaxy and create that like... Ghost Galaxy's intense. Yeah. It's, I can't believe they went that far. <laughs> They're maniacs. It's like, like, you guys need to reel it back in. You know, just when you think, oh, it's family friendly, it's Disneyland, every now and again, they just get a little mm, wild. I'm like, a little who, bit, little who wild approved side. that? Who approved that? I love that. The kids that we have to warn prior because they've been on it we're like oh it's not the same right now you know so or you kids like flesh falling off of a human face (laughs) get on there tell grandma i sent you you know one of the other things that i love mentioning is i believe that once again big thunder mountain was improved by galaxy's edge because Mm -hmm. now big thunder trail has that really great rock work over there. Yeah, that like rock roll that kind of goes over your head. Which, did you remember I noticed that that was something like that was envisioned for Cars Land. Mm-hmm. Like a sort of a, a rolling type rock to keep your, your eye lines in there. And when I saw that, that original concept of a Cars Land, I go, oh, I know where that's at. Yep. That got used again over on Big Thunder Trail. And then an interesting decision of uh, Disney is when you come out of what I refer to as the third entry exit of Galaxy's Edge, mm-hmm. the, the first order one. That trail over there, they decided, well, you're still in Frontierland. 
until you cross, you know, that threshold where the restrooms are. That's yes. the that's the official entrance into Fantasyland. So there's like an old stagecoach over oh, there. Oh, I love that stagecoach. Cactus. <laughs> is there is there a history on that stagecoach? Does it come from something? <sighs> Everyone. <sighs> that was Walt's childhood <laughs> stagecoach. <laughs> he played with that as a child. Um, that stagecoach. I've been trying. There's a fun little nod on it. I did a Monday about it months and months ago, but it's. I got you blocked, so I didn't see it. Oh, <laughs> it says. Um, um, it, it has a, a little thing on it for WED. So WD, and oh. it's Western uh, Expeditions and Deliveries. Oh, great. But the W for the WED does that like curvy thing that the K for the knots, that for knots logo for the yeah. K that it does. So, so many people attributed that to, oh, maybe this was borrowed from Knott's Berry Farm in oh, like wow. a sense. And I've been trying to do digging and I've never found anything that Well, that'd has, be some real synergy. Yeah. That's real cross park mm-hmm. synergy. Where I know, where I think a lot of people know that Walt was, you know, or Walt was great friends with um, Walter Knott. Oh, yeah, you know? he went over there and picked his yeah. brain. Yeah, it's like, this is how we're going to get it done. But the From other what fun, I hear, if you mm-hmm. own an amusement park in Southern California, <laughs> you're like, your, your kid came in and went, hey, Dad, uh, Mr. Disney here's again. What does he want this time? What does he want this time? Let me go lie to him. Yeah, <laughs> sell the ice cream for a dollar, see? <laughs> Tell him I'm not here. <laughs> But the nod, the uh, that wagon also has a fun nod, and it's more Galaxy's Edge than it is Big Thunder. But it has a nod to Discovery Bay uh, on that wagon, which is really fun—a very, very, very subtle nod um, for the uh, luggage that's on top of it, where the luggage is going to be delivered to a character that Tony Baxter had designed for Four. Discovery Bay, and that's sitting on top of that wagon. And it's oh my god! Like you wouldn't, unless you knew that story, you, you would see that little thing it's a nice touch for like an old western area but the name on there is the whole thing like you'd have to know that story to get that nod um and that, i love that subtlety of imagineering like that tony baxter did such a great job of taking some of the best design pieces of mm-hmm. discovery bay and implementing them into disneyland paris yes in a way where it didn't ruin paris but like Mm-mm. the atrium that they have the glass atrium they have over their teacups yep the moment that I walked up on this, I go, oh, <laughs> Discovery Bay. And everybody's like, what? It is, lives. What is he talking about? And when I saw their version of, quote unquote, Tomorrowland, I'm like, whoa. This, this is it. I feel like I'm walking into concept art, mm-hmm. which that's not a bad thing. You know, the Big Big Thunder, though, it is really such a, an important corner of the park in that the way that we go back there, it, it really kind of, even though... That's a, what you would consider like a corner of the park. Yeah. At this moment, it's like an island mm-hmm. and everything kind of flows around it. And as far as perfect sight lines go, you know, you can see it from all around the, the western side of the park. Yes. But once we get over into Fantasyland, it just dissipates it and goes away. Mm-hmm. And it was really funny when Galaxy's Edge was being built and they had to rip apart Rivers of America. I'm like, oh, Big Thunder, you're so tiny. <laughs> all of those, all of the mountain ranges, when they were just bare from Mickey and Friends, mm-hmm. just like, look at that little mountain over there. Because, <laughs> man, when you stand up on these things, yeah. they feel grandiose. Mm-hmm. I mean, they feel massive in their scale. It's, And I love that you, Big Thunder doesn't feel small. Like, it, it feels big, but we've, now you and I have talked about sightlines so many times. We love when those balloons go up. 
um, when uh, construction's happening. But yeah, that's you just, my next job. <laughs> oh, you want to be that guy? Balloon guy. The balloon guy. Not, like, not, hey, can I hold the balloons? That's the guy who I want to be like, can I hold the balloons and get a pick? <laughs> you want to hold the, 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 the sightline line balloons? balloons? Where's the balloon at, Bricky? Oh, it's 150 <laughs> feet up. We're, we're putting in yeah, a mountain. We're getting there. Fifth Adding mountain. a new mountain at a new big show building. But you can't see Big Thunder at all. The trees are so perfectly done in uh, both the trees. If you're on the very far side over by Haunted Mansion, you can't see Big Thunder uh, because of the trees on Tom Sawyer Island. Or if you're in Fantasyland, like around where Dumbo is, looking in the direction of Big Thunder, you can't see it that way it's either. Genius, it's man. just because so good. For the most part, Disneyland is a pretty flat mm-hmm. plot of land. Question for you. Are the Black Spires the fifth mountain oh. in the mountain range? People will say no. I may say yes to that. Are they... What, what would say no? That they're like a range and they're not a mountain? Or that they're not tall enough? Because they feel... They feel, yeah. they feel pretty tall. Especially there's that one big one. That's the one that they let us all sign by over by where the Millennium Falcon is. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> hold on, plaid man. You have a signature? Yeah. You have a signature. I have a signature in there. Inside the Black Spire. Mm-hmm. The really big, tall one over by Millennium Falcon. They lovingly let us do that, which is something they don't normally do because that's more of a construction you imagineer. You stop talking about <laughs> I'm processing. It's like I need to like sit with Look this Look at my pupils. They're like beach balls in a mat. Dilated. <laughs> you have a signature mm-hmm. in the spire. Avengers Campus, too. Really? Mm-hmm. Where's that one at? Uh, I think that one's going over with the the area that supports the Quinjet. Oh, oh not I thought I saw there were signatures on the um, the crane, yeah, Spider Man crane. They, um, I'm, I don't think they had us do the same one that Imagineering and the construction team does, but they let us sign for both of those as both like the you know very momentous occasion, which is super nice because they don't need to do that at all. We none of us are helping them build it. That's such a very personal thing for the Imagineering and construction team that are working constantly to build this stuff up, right? But, um, yeah, it's that big spire that's when you're over by the Falcon. Those oh, three. I know which one. <laughs> I, I did a I did the fireworks, fireworks show, show over Come there. On, man. Come on, get out of here. That's a, dude. Congratulations on that. Yeah, that's a that was a very as a Disney fan and as a Star Wars fan and as a you're Marvel in, fan. You're in there. Yeah. Wow. I wrote my name in one of the bathroom stalls. <laughs> Just as special. But then they made me go clean it oh, up. So. <laughs> Bricky. Bricky. Same signature. I didn't write Bricky Mouse. I said, come on. Must be somebody who listens to my show. <laughs> they were like, we know nobody listens to the show. That's why we don't censor you. Because you're just, it's cute that you play radio with your friends. Man, that is really, really cool. Mm-hmm. That uh, um, See, this is what I love about this job. Because I get to meet so many amazing people. Mm-hmm. And I get to live vicariously through their experiences. Yes. I won't have my signature in there, but you do. And that gives me a window into what it must be like. And that, I love that about this job. Mm -hmm. So I got the picture for him here. You spelled your name wrong. No. He looked. (laughs) I did. (laughs) This is the beam you're looking for. May the force be with us. Oh my Lord. That's so (laughs) great. Said to squeeze it in there. I'd have been like, which way did the frontier land see? <laughs> I would just be the angry guy's like, liked it better when it was <laughs> you know, when it was the barbecue restaurant. Thanks for shorting rivers of America. <laughs> Two feet. Missed the beans and the, the ribs. Now I will have to say mm-hmm. that there was 
a specialness to the Big Thunder Trail and the barbecue. Oh yeah, that, I got that. That was a fantastic little area. That restaurant was amazing. You know, for for what it was, just getting some legit barbecue. Those big beans and and sauces links are legendary. The the desserts, the entertainment at the same time. That's it's. I, while I love Galaxy's Edge, I will miss that little calm, quiet area of Disneyland because I, th- I think it was when you and Jared did your uh, qu- like quiet space yeah, Disneyland yeah. episode. That would have for sure been one. You know, when you get married, people freeze that little top stupid part of the cake. <laughs> <laughs> I, I froze a meal from there, and every every year I thaw out just one sausage link and I eat it. It's still delicious. Still good. That was one of those areas that I went to and I said. This won't be forever, so I'm going to enjoy it. And mm-hmm. I always, whenever they would do those really, like, very basic theming for, like, remember when they did all the pumpkins back there? Yeah, they had the Halloween area. They did the Long Lost Friends where the characters were back there. They did that mystic tent. Yes. Where yeah. you were just in this, like, carnival tent. You could never put people in a tent today. And nope. when I was there, they conjured in Maleficent. Like a villain, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. and God, that was so great. But I want to tell you, one of my best Disneyland memories ever uh, Beth and I were back there and we were just kind of hanging out. It was quiet and we're just chilling. And it was during Halloween and um, Mickey had on his, you know, his Halloween costume, you know, sort of like that green and orange tuxedo mm-hmm. thing. And um, he did that thing that they do sometimes where when they're wrapping up their shift, they'll just grab the hand of one kid and kind of cruise around with them. Yeah. Grab the hand of a kid. I'm not a dad, so I don't really know the ages, but I would ballpark them around four or five years old. Mm -hmm. Walked on his own, talked on his own, but Mickey grabbed this kid by the hand and walked him around and showed him all the different props and the other characters would come up and like talk, you know, in their way of talking to him. And I just sit back there and I just watch that kid and I just got so choked up. I'm like, how will this kid not remember this for Mm -hmm. the rest of his life? And right now that kid believes that all of this is real. It's really happening. And that was really a turning point in when I realized Disneyland is Christmas. Mm-hmm. As adults, we all make a decision when we go through the tunnel on the right. If you go through the tunnel on the left, I got no time for you. When we go through the <laughs> tunnel on the right, we all make a decision that for today and for right now, this is all real. Yeah. We not only do it because it makes it better for us, but we do it because it makes it better for the kids. Mm-hmm. And I really sit back and I'm like, man, this is something I will remember forever. Because it's just such a beautiful and innocent thing to see happening. Did I tell you a story of uh, me telling a kid about Lightning McQueen driving? Does that, does that ring a bell? Tell it driving again. Driving through cars. Uh, I don't know. It, but... All right. So. Uh, oh, I kind of think. I, but yeah, go ahead. I, I kind of think I remember this. Go ahead. Where um, a kid uh, that was with me in the park on a tour asked, um, why does Lightning drive slow? Because he only knows him as like the racer yeah, from yeah. the films. Um, and I told him he has to drive slow because there's a lot of people. There's more people now in Radiator Springs than there ever has been before. So Lightning's got to take it slow when he's here. But I told him at nighttime when the park's yes. closed, yeah, yes. him and Mater rip it through down Buena Vista Street and through the pier, just racing each other. And Cruz comes and you could see that kid. And he kind of like stopped and just kind of stared off as his mind made it happen. Yeah. Like he was watching it. He was well. watching it. He's like imagining when everyone goes home and taking the, the, the streets that he sees. And he's like. Wow. And he was like maybe around the same age you're saying, six, maybe five or six years old. And that was like, I created a (laughs) vision in his head that he was going to have for a while of what those cars are doing once everybody goes home. Yeah, that's, it's those moments 
that you don't get a fast pass for. Mm-hmm. It's not on the schedule. Like, um, you know, I texted you and I said that, uh, hey, man, uh, beyond no doubt it, tonight we would be over in Avengers Campus. Yep. And we would all be chanting Wakanda forever uh-huh. on the night. On a Friday night, we learned that Chadwick Boseman yes. had passed away. And that would have been celebration. All the hardcore, the hardcore fans would have been there. Mm-hmm. I would have been there that night. And I would have seen that on my phone and been like, we've got to go to we Avengers get Campus. To, we got to get over the campus. We got to go over to the campus because as fans and, you know, I, I, I'm not going to reach tell history like I wasn't the biggest fan of that movie mm-hmm. I love that character when he first appeared in Civil War mm-hmm. I thought he stole the show I was really looking forward to the movie and the movie and arguably I understand why the movie took such a serious tone it didn't really feel like a Marvel movie to yeah me. yeah that's fine though because I when I reviewed it I said this might not be for me, but I understand who it's Yeah, you it's understand for. its power. I understand yeah. its power, and I really understand <clears throat> the idea of being a small child and be like, I can be the hero, and I don't mm-hmm. have to be the third out. I get all of that. It just sort of lacked a little bit of the fun that I like from those movies. Yes. It got a little too serious mm-hmm. for me. That all being said, I recognize that character and how well it was portrayed. And, and you know, when you can up-act Michael B. Jordan, you're, yeah. you're doing a <laughs> lot because- him as uh, in Friday Night Lights is one of my favorite mm-hmm. TV moments ever. So our phones would have went off and we would have instinctively gathered over an Avengers yeah. campus. You couldn't have fit another person in there. Yeah. And those are the moments and you know I don't bring that up to try to wax poetic or make, yeah. make light of someone's death but I just try to explain to people like those are the moments that when you're there and weird stuff happens mm-hmm. The, the non-vacationers, like the hardest of the hardcore, yes. the Disneylanders, we react and we set up these moments where like, I'll remember that night forever. Mm-hmm. Seeing the kid walk with Mickey, you telling that kid that the cars race through there, like those are never on a map. Yeah. They're never scheduled. They happened every single day. And that's what we were robbed of the most this summer. Yeah. It's knowing, and especially if you are someone that visits often, you know while you may not have been able to like actually clear cut say what those memories were, you know what type of things could have happened to you this summer while you were there. Yep. You know, based off of your previous your previous yep. summers there, what you missed because it's a bit different from someone who's never been or someone that goes um even someone that goes once in a while, like they know it's the reason we get excited to go there and knowing that that did not get to happen and what could what more memories could have been made how much fun we had riding on big thunder or you know running into galaxy's edge like those were not there and it's been and it's a thing that has kind of hit people hard because as the world sometimes gets crazier we lean in all these things that that resonate with us and that place is 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 so powerful i can tell you from getting to watch these moments lived through the families that i'm hosting um it's it's powerful and i'm i'm i get to witness something that i would not have been able to if i didn't have the job i had or just wasn't at disneyland because i think a lot of people have also like you seeing a moment that didn't have nothing to do with you is so powerful and those are happening constantly throughout the park and i think that's that thing that 
draws people to Disneyland. And when so when you see those commercials that they play, all people can laugh about the marketing of it. Of course, they actively happen there, and it's 100%. yeah, and it's tough for a company because you always look at the company trying to sell you to get there. But it's it's true. Like I they, throw that out the window because I know that's what the company provides. Like mm-hmm. the one where. The daughter's going to college, oh, and the that, dad yeah. remembers her um, meeting as, Cinderella as for the kid, first time. Uh-huh. Dude, I don't have a daughter. Mm. I don't have anything in the kid game. Crushes mm. me. Yeah. Crushes I have a daughter, now. and that ripped me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, though, when you go to the park, it is our constant. It's our escapism. Mm-hmm. And the the beautiful thing about going there and, and having friends to go there is, like, there's just those nights where it's like, Jared and I are there, and you hit us up, and you're like, I got off of work early tonight, mm-hmm. and then now you're hanging with us, and mm-hmm. then we fall into, like, some other friends are in town from New York, or somebody knows, and then somebody's like, hey, I'm up in the club, if you guys want to come up and have a drink, it's mm-hmm. like, the whole night just so goes. So organic. And it reminds me of, when I was younger, I grew up in a band, and whenever you'd go to New York City, you never knew who you're going to bump into or yes. what was going to happen, yeah, yeah. but I never had a night in New York City that wasn't memorable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, sometimes it was... You remember the band Corn with a K? Mm-hmm. Their security guy grabbed me out of their limo and was like, you're not one of us. I tried to just like get in their <laughs> limo and go in. with them. And he's like, uh, you're not one of us. And just <laughs> literally threw me out. But it's it's those type of evenings where it just, it really does take its own life and it takes you away. And and um, the reason why I paint the night was so special to me is because- Not your dad, right? Well, yeah, I mean, uh-huh. the, the when Red came down, yes. the, that crushes me. But the opening song, oh yeah, it it really is such a really great way to explain like how sometimes you get there and it's just who you went with and it's what you expect. Mm-hmm. But other times you get there and the night just takes you wherever you want to go. And I've just literally, I've had those nights walking through downtown Disney, feet hurting and just going, I am so lucky to be this age. And to have these type of nights Mm -hmm. and to have a wife that understands it's 2 a.m. and my husband's at Disneyland. (laughs) (laughs) He's still there ripping it. He's still there ripping it. Like (laughs) just to like walk out last person. You know, when I did the the Trampians. Yes. Mm -hmm. That was just to really show everybody like you don't need Galaxy's Edge to have a great time. For all the people that were dumping on this new big thing, I want to be like, you know what? Mm -hmm. The parking lot is fun if you have imagination. So I look back. And when that news broke, that was just something where I'm like, that was probably one of the like biggest like surprise moments. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the campus isn't done. Yeah. We weren't there. Instead, you and I are just throwing back text messages like, this year literally can't get worse. <laughs> <laughs> so many evil emojis slung between us yeah. on that night. And, and I was just like, you got to be kidding me, man. I was literally in the middle of doing an interview with the guys over at the Sweep Spot mm-hmm. when my friend uh, Alex hit me up, and I, I was, like, trying to, like, do an interview, and I'm like, you got to be kidding. <laughs> so I had to open up another window just to make sure that there wasn't, like, a rumor. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I'm hanging out with these guys, and I didn't want to, like, crash into their podcast and be like, so, uh, by the way, Black Panther just passed away. Like, mm-hmm. I was just, like, trying to keep it together. Keep it I'm, going. like, going Oh my God! This your mind wraps around yeah. it. Yeah, because like literally, if I'd have been at Galaxy's Edge hanging out with somebody, I'd be like, "Uh, guys, I need to go over to DCA right now." Like literally right now. I know they're probably closing in like two minutes because they're always closing, but uh, I'll tell them I got World of Color seats. <laughs> <laughs> I realized something about your job tonight that I never thought of before, because you are submerged with a family, mm-hmm. and you get to understand the construct of that family. Mm-hmm. You understand 
what their motives are, what they're going to Disneyland for. Mm-hmm. So when the magic breaks, you've understand the stakes. Yes. You've probably had a helping hand in pushing it in that direction. Mm-hmm. You're a damn magic vampire. <laughs> I was waiting how you were going to describe it. You are a magic vampire. <laughs> you go there and you live off of other people's magic. Oh, definitely. Oh, I... I, I, I thought you were a good soul. guy. Now I understand. <laughs> it feeds my soul. <laughs> You're one of the Disney villains. <laughs> it feeds my soul, Briggy. Like watching... I, I can think of all of the... I love when we get new experiences, new shows, because yeah. I get to relive it every single time with people I haven't seen it. So I'm the person who's been there so many times now that whenever I'm doing something, I'm always watching someone else do it. Dude. Yeah. I show people Fantasmic like I made it. Yep. <laughs> like when that dragon comes out and the river's on fire and I'm with one of my heavy metal friends, yeah. you know, like a dude that's just drawn Dungeons and Dragons tattoos mm-hmm. his whole life. I look over at him and they're just like a tear running down their cheek. I'm like, <laughs> I won't name this guy, but I'm like, I just saw eh, 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 cry to a dragon set mm-hmm. a river on fire. Like I had anything to do with it other than I'm the guy that knows, get over here about 940. Yeah, and make sure you're there at the right, right time. <laughs> make sure you like, hey, look over there so mm-hmm. they don't see it pop up. Yeah, watching people watch, like especially this year, in the very short year we had at Disneyland, I was able to introduce people for the first time to both Magic Happens and Rise of Resistance. So two for two. That was anytime we get new experiences because I know it and I've seen I got to have my moment with it as a first timer and I get to relive that every single time as someone is literally in awe of a moment that's happening. I'm already imagining that when we see Spider-Man go through the air for the first time. (laughs) Don't even say it. It I get goosebumps just hearing it. But I remember on January 17, you were just like, when's your boarding group? Like, Mm -hmm. you were living vicariously. I was. Because you'd already been on it. You'd already trained on it. Mm -hmm. You saw it in different steps all along the way. So you were very cued into, like, how does a super fan that shows up at midnight and Mm -hmm. stands in the rain, how does it live up to them? And uh, unfortunately, you were so busy that day that we never really got to hang out. But mm-hmm. the text line was hot. <laughs> the text line was red hot that night. Yeah, just trying to help people get on it and try to give them advice to come down. And Don't I say had that to on have... a podcast. Do not say that on a podcast. <laughs> and I wanted to, and I want everybody's thoughts. Like, yeah. just like, um, like, I think it's, especially with Star Wars, or it's a brand, it's such a thing like, I'm not a fan of, I'm not, I don't like Marvel, or I don't like Indiana Jones, and I'm like, it's not about that. Tell me what you thought about the the attraction itself. Oh. Like, don't tell me about the brand. Like, But if you are a Star Wars? Oh my, it's it's a form of, oh. like, it's a drug. It really is. And, and, and it, you bring up a great point. Seeing the magic through other people's eyes. Uh-huh. Like, I just, I got interviewed uh, last week, and this woman was like, so, uh, I looked at it, and Explain this Disneyland obsession with me. <laughs> she's like, How long uh, do you have? I, she's like, <laughs> I'm like, uh, you got extra batteries for that recorder there? <laughs> um, uh, you know, and, and she was like, you know, I like going with my niece and nephew and yeah. seeing it through their eyes. And I said, well, that's the lens that you should be seeing it through. You know, if you can't go there and see it through your childlike eyes, then you're looking at it from, oh, they're charging me $4.50 yeah. for water. And if that's what you look at, that's what you're going to see because they are a business. And I celebrate how efficient they are at oh, their business. It's a masterful business. Because the business pays for the magic. Uh-huh. And there needs to be a semblance between the two. And I I kind of told her, you know, that I didn't have the greatest childhood. Mm-hmm. And so there's a big kid part of me that feels like where I come from in Kentucky, 
if your family went to Disney World once, yes, that was the upper tier of travel and uh-huh. and, and royalty and, and experience. Deal. And the fact that in an older life, I could go do that once a week, it just always makes me feel like I'm getting one over on society. Mm-hmm. While other guys my age are like putting kids down or, you know, working at a job they don't like, like I'm out there like an idiot having the time of my life and somehow figuring out how to make it into a career. Like it is one of the greatest swindles of my life that somehow Mm -hmm. I moved 13 miles from Disneyland and I've been 500 (laughs) times since 2013. It is one of the greatest swindles of my life. Paying it forward. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Hey man, I love sharing it with other people and the funny thing about you being a magic vampire is <laughs> it coin takes that one to recognize one. one. Yeah. Because we I tell people it. all the time, I say, you know, like the great history of this country's Native American folks, mm-hmm. they, had a, they had a theory on the battlefield that if you killed a great warrior, mm-hmm. you got their soul mm-hmm. and that made you stronger. stronger. I go to Disneyland with you. I steal your magic. Oh, it makes my magic stronger. <laughs> I literally, that's that's my philosophy. Because how does it keep feeling new? Mm-hmm. Go see it with new people. See it with new people every right? time. Yep. You know, you, you laugh, but you know what it's, I'm talking about. It's very true. It makes your magic stronger. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know they put that on a brochure, but that's that's how I'm I like. I'm, I'm empowered. I'm getting a little bigger from that moment. Oh, dude, <laughs> dude. I do this thing on the live feeds where when I'm feeling the magic, I make my little image of me in the corner. Bigger, and bigger, and bigger, <laughs> like like Super Mario when he's on the, when he's high on mushrooms. Yes. Like it makes him bigger and bigger. Hey, Philander, Big Thunder Mountain, we crushed it. The past, the present, its future, mm-hmm. and as always, so much more. Yes, always, it's always great, and I, that's that is my favorite coaster in that park or in that resort by far. Really? Oh yeah, favorite coaster out of both parks yeah space mountain credit coaster matterhorn bobsleds <laughs> uh, goofy sky school and um goofy sky school is intense gadget, <laughs> gadget school coaster our niece was like aunt beth can i cuss <laughs> beth was like of course you yeah. can i don't oh. believe you hit these turns that's fine my niece let it rip when she got permission <laughs> to cuss she let it rip <sighs> like we're gonna get kicked out of the park because the kids cussing <laughs> we are the worst parents for a week ever <laughs> yeah you know what i'm thinking about it I think I go, I think I go Matterhorn number one and Big Thunder, I go number two. Okay. Yeah. There's just something about Matterhorn that I absolutely adore. And mm-hmm. I think it's all the windows out into the park. Yes. I love, I adore a good Matterhorn bobsled at nighttime. <laughs> oh, it's rip it so by. so good at nighttime. Rip it by Small World Holiday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I had to be straight faced when I sat across from Rolly Crump in his kitchen and he goes, you know, uh, some folks a couple years ago, they went out there and they put Christmas lights on the front of it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, I know of it. Yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> I've seen it a couple like, times. It looks real good. It's like, <laughs> also understated. <laughs> yeah, just like, <laughs> it looks pretty good. You remember that piece of trash I made? Somebody hung some lights. <laughs> a couple lights on it. It's kind of like, oh, I drove past the old house that we used to live in. Remember when you guys were kids? Mm-hmm. They, they put Christmas lights on. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing, Raleigh? What are you doing? What are you saying? You're blowing my mind here. <laughs> How could you talk about it so like so lightly? Yeah, it's, yeah you know, it's, they put lights on. Yeah, it's a couple of them. <laughs> <laughs> the, you mean the lights that literally make the magic leak from my eyes yeah. every single year? The thing that signals it being the holiday season? Uh, 
<laughs> well, we had a weird summer. Mm-hmm. We're going into a very, very weird fall. Ugh. But uh, these conversations mean a lot to me, bud. Yes. And I know they mean a lot to the audience. Yeah, this is always fun. I, it's it's uplifting because it makes me feel like I'm at work. Mm. And I love doing that. I love talking. It's why I started posting all that stuff. I love conversation. You know, whether it's good or bad, I love just ripping it about Disneyland history or people's thoughts or ideas because it's the same thing I would do with people on tour when I found out they had like a niche for that type of like knowledge. I would start, you know, I would start kind of prying into a little bit to see what they liked or I'd kind of like ask them a few questions, you know, or and it was it's always fun turning. I remember those. Oh, yeah. I was like, me, 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 me. Yes. Me, 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 I'll answer me, it. I'll answer it. I'll answer it. Don't talk to that person. Me, 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 me. Why is he talking to him? Why is he, does he like him more than me? What's yes. me, 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 We me, very me, specifically me. sat across each other at lunchtime. So, <laughs> like Lady and the Tramp. Yes. The world could have melted. Who would have known? <laughs> Beth goes, uh, not for nothing, but I think this guy likes Disneyland more than you. And I go, shut up. Stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> Never told my wife to shut up once. 17 years of marriage. I'm like, lady, you stop speaking to me right now. Dude, you take blas- blasphemy. You take that back. <laughs> oh, man. No, these 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 episodes and this whole project, like moving this over to weekly, like I don't even know where I'd be at if I was still just doing this once a month. Yeah, like this is a good refresher. I, I think you too. Like it's, it's always good. I People that have... The few people that have actually, you know, thanked me, you know, for doing that with you, it's always been nice to hear that other people appreciate because I'm I get a ton of it. If, if it's just you and I, we just happen to have microphones recording it, but yeah. this would have been just enough for me, oh. just you and I. And there's a part of me that thinks that if the world wasn't so wacky, this mm-hmm. would probably be what we would be doing, like in Fantasia oh. Gardens tonight. Yeah. Right? Like, we'd yes. be sitting there, like, eating crappy food and just going nuts oh, while it was... Crap. Just Monterey's going over top of Oh, the jalopy? Yeah, my favorite, my favorite Main Street sound. I was watching something the other day on YouTube, and they talked about, for a while, the fire pole was mm-hmm. accessible to Walt's apartment because yep. he liked going down it. Mm-hmm. And, like, some kid just cruised up it to say <laughs> hi to Walt. And just the idea of living in a Disneyland where kids like... I want to go say hi to Mr. Disney. Yeah, <laughs> just blew my mind. Just shimmy up and just see what happens. And also him just being a big kid yeah. and having a fire pole to go down. Because who wouldn't want that? I mean, you haven't made it unless you got a fire pole. Yeah. <laughs> big slide or fire pole. You're a kid. F- fire pole that takes me right into my belly. Then I'll know I've made it. <laughs> There you go, citizens of Disneyland. I hope you have enjoyed today's episode. And I get people asking me all the time, is this button thing like a joke? Like, no, I seriously do not have a citizens of Disneyland button. Now, I've had people try to give them to me. My wife arranged for them to give me one, but I will refuse it. It must be a button earned the right way. Exhibiting perfect Disneyland citizen behavior and one day when I achieve that I will achieve my button and probably magic leaking out of my eyeballs friends if you enjoyed today's episode I just kindly ask from you could you share it with a friend could you tell a fellow citizen how much fun we're having over here each and every week and maybe swing over by the YouTube channel Adventures in Design over on YouTube. I've been putting up nearly daily little small news pieces about things that are happening in the park. And I not only 
break the news or tell you news that I learned elsewhere, but I always wrap it around an opinion that comes from me. And you know, I love the park. I love it from a designer's perspective. I love it from an emotional perspective, but I'm never shy of giving an honest critique. And speaking of, next week, Jared will be joining me again as we talk about the end or maybe a new beginning of Wonderground Gallery where our friendship began. I'll see you then, if not sooner, to the every day. Live the magic.